Welcome to the Veteran Founder Podcast on the Startup Radio Network. Starting a company allows you to be back in control. The weekly show that brings together military spouse and veteran founders who are doing remarkable things in the business world. I can't imagine there's anything out there stronger than the bond that military and veteran entrepreneurs have. We'll hear their story, the story of their business, and lessons learned. Joy can override the worries and depression. Here are your hosts, Carmen Nazario and Josh Carter. Welcome, everybody, to the Veteran Founder Podcast. It's Friday. It's 1 p.m. on the West Coast. You're here. We're here, and we're excited to uh, have you join us. My name's Josh Carter. Uh, Carmen is out for the summer. She'll be back rejoining us in the fall. If you are new to the program, welcome. We're excited you're here. Every week, we get to talk to remarkable founders that just have that one extra thing on their resume and that service to our country. This week's no exception. We have a returning guest, and that's James Mingi from uh, Veteran Business Services. James, welcome to the show. Thank you, Josh. Nice to be here. Yeah, or, or should I say welcome back? It's it's hard because last time we were in the studio, it was a lot of fun. This time, thanks to COVID, it's a bit of a remote thing, but we're making it work. Well, I I, I find it pretty uh, pretty standard now with COVID, of course. So uh, uh, I'm, I'm I'm glad to be able to be here and uh, glad to update how we're working according to COVID. Yeah, let, we'll we'll get into that. But for the listeners that haven't heard your story, I want to roll the tape back a little bit and I want to talk about your your service. You served back in Vietnam. And I really want to talk a little bit about what was that process for you that, uh, you know, for, like I said, for our, our listeners that haven't heard your story, what was that process for you to join, uh, join the army? Well, as you said, I'm a, I'm a Vietnam veteran. Uh, I'm, uh, went to Vietnam in 1968. So, uh, I've been around for the block for a few times and back in 68, uh, while we were in the middle of the Vietnam War, we were on the, the kind of the outer edge of, of the, the rebound of World War II. My father was a uh, combat veteran in World War II, and in the 50s, uh, you know, you looked up to your father, but also you were inundated with uh, new television series, and a couple of the programs had to do with glorifying war, had to do with, uh, you know, Soldiers running around saving people, and uh, they made it sound like it's, it was a, the uh, ultimate for the for the for the, the passing of the rite of passage. So you had a at least for me, I had a uh, uh, a good impression of what a, a soldier was supposed to be, or at least my idea of what a soldier should be. So I, I was a hyperactive kid, and uh, I uh, I got through high school and got into college, but I really wasn't a very good student. I had uh, signed up for ROTC and, you know, that was, seemed like it was a million miles away. I wasn't doing that well in school. So I, I dropped out and uh, tried to fly, fly helicopters at first. I had to take a test for that with the, uh, with the army. And I wasn't really good directionally. So I ended up signing up. And when you do that without having a, uh, a preferred MOS or a commitment of longer term, you end up in the infantry. So in 1968, I ended up in the infantry, went to uh, basic at Fort Bragg, North Carolina. And then I ended up in uh, Tigerland in, in Louisiana, where they had some simulated uh, uh, huts and villages that were supposed to what was going on in Vietnam. 
and went through another eight week program to learn how to, you know, be a, an infantry soldier. Uh, and that was the extent of the training, 16, 16 weeks, you got a week off or so to go visit your family. Then you ended up on an airplane flying to Cameron Bay, uh, where they would uh, short you out, so to speak. They would send you to I-Corps or corps or down to Delta, wherever was the wherever the need was at that time. In my case, they flew me up to uh, Cameron Bay, which is in was in Tukor, and within three days, I was out in the uh, out in the, the bush, learning how to be a, a a radio operator, learning how to read a map, and uh, you know, learning how to be scared. <laughs> and <laughs> so that's kind of a synopsis. Uh, I can drill down some more on those experiences, but. Uh, you know, they. I was one of the lucky ones. Uh, I had friends who got wounded and killed, and and uh, still suffer for some from, from some guilt on that end. But uh, overall, it, uh, it it at least taught me how to be disciplined, and it taught me uh, what I think are the important things in life. And I got back to enjoy it, and I've enjoyed it ever since. Well, that that's an amazing story, uh, James, and I appreciate you sharing. Talk to me a little bit about the transition, because as you mentioned, you had friends that didn't make it home, but you did. You, for whatever reason, were chosen to, to be able to come home. When you transitioned out, how hard was it for you to get in back into the societal sort of, I need to go find a job? Like, what, Talk a little bit about that transition, because I'm sure a lot of listeners are pretty curious about that. Well, for me, uh, I had already gone to college for two years, so it was a natural evolution to want to go and do that. Uh, so uh, I didn't know, really remember why, but I was. I found out about the GI Bill, which back then they had a they had a lump sum benefit of ten thousand dollars that you could use to go to school or learn how to drive a truck or fly an airplane uh, and give you a little platform to get back in life. They didn't have much formal veteran stuff. They had vet clubs in 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 the college I was there, and that gave you a little bit of a a comfort zone where you could go in and talk to people that had the same experience you had. They didn't have much uh, assimilation tools at the VA at that time. For instance, they didn't have uh, uh, their uh, what they call vet centers, which are attached to, to the VA to help people make those transitions. They didn't really come in until the mid-70s or so and have, are still in existence to this day, but you didn't have that. So you were on your own trying to figure out, you know, how to uh, – assimilate or if you were a combat veteran a lot of us in my case especially we just stuff those feelings and stuff stuff those uh realities and let it catch up with us later in life but uh, you know for we tried to try to not uh actually discuss our war stories very much because the vast majority of people had not experienced being a veteran then and it was really hard to uh hard to uh Tell your story, if you would. So uh, uh, I had to complete my school using the GI Bill and wasn't ever much involved during the early years because of uh, a resistance to war effort, etc. So when you when you say you, you, you what was the what was the first job that you got after you finished your your schooling? Well, the first job I got was uh, was a job called a commercial commercial mortgage banker. And what you were supposed to do was learn how to evaluate 
businesses so that they could be eligible for getting mortgage loans, commercial mortgage loans from insurers or banks or or real estate investment trusts who were trying to build their portfolios. So the job I got was as a trainee to figure out how to evaluate uh, streams of cash flow or expenses for real estate projects or from the businesses that were going to be uh, using those real estate assets as a way of paying rent because you had to evaluate, you know, can this business last? Can it pay their actual rents that are being forecast for the mortgage? So you evaluated everything. You evaluated the principles, the business, the location of the real estate, and the underwriting requirements of the various uh, uh, lenders who would make mortgages for those particular entrepreneurs. And then when you, because you've you've done this before, as you went through your career, you and I, I, I know I've known you for a while, and like I said, you've been a guest on here, and you've done other things in that finance realm. Talk a little bit more about that background. Well, that particular job was pretty much the only job I've ever had. And that background made you understand the financial st- system. At least you thought you did. You were you had enough knowledge to be dangerous. And if you're hyperactive, and uh, in my case, you're coming back from a, a war zone as a combat veteran, uh, you're on adrenaline and you don't really realize that you're being hyperactive and you're and you're uh, going faster than the rest of the world, I should say. So I was a kind of encouraged by the uh, the bank that I was working for, which was really a subsidiary of a bank called the Kissel Company, who was a, who was a, a real estate lender. I was encouraged by them to go out on my own. And at the time, uh, since I had learned how to, to arrange uh, mortgage loans, commercial mortgage loans, I decided I would arrange one for myself. I would figure out how to go raise some capital uh, to get an equity because I didn't have any equity. I decided I'd go find a lender who would provide me a, uh, a first mortgage loan on the kind of business I wanted to do, which at the time was uh, fitness and uh, racket court facilities. And if I could do that and put a budget together that worked, then I could be an entrepreneur and be in business. And I did just that. I basically skill sets I, I learned, went out, found a lender who was willing to make me a loan if I could get an SBA guarantee on it, which I did. And I found doctors and dentists and investors who were willing to put up 25% of the equity. And for that, they received a share of the profits and I paid them back over time. And I received a management contract for the business and a big share of the profits. So uh, it was my first business and it, it made me, uh, you know, figure out how to develop a, uh, a business format, a, an operational manual. And I realized over time that what I was doing was uh, was really developing a, a franchise. And uh, I, that's what I got into later on. But my first business was uh, really buying a building, uh, or it's correction, building a building, uh, figuring out how to budget to get the particular needs of that building. I had courts and equipment and uh, training and uh, back then, we used uh, NCR to have electronic uh, cash registers that could track our profit and losses. Uh, all of the normal things of, of doing a business, just the technology wasn't as advanced. And we did a business, and timing, like anything, was was good. And uh, because it was good, I was able to have a, a lot of flaws. And 
live out the first couple of years and make a profit and which allowed me to replicate the business model. And so when you did that, what kind of businesses did you build? What kind of things did you raise money for? Well, I basically did the same thing. I, I realized that uh, the business I had was called the Dayton Courthouse. And the, the name from it came from the fact that we had courts that were for racquetball courts. And we had Nautilus equipment, which was for people working out. And we had daycare for 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 women who wanted to bring in their children so that they could physically work out. We were sort of like a commercial YMCA. Uh, YMCAs at the time, their, their quality and their, their physical structures had, had had declined. So there was a need to create uh, an alternative source. And, and young people at the time were just, just coming out of their shells kind of, and they were looking for something that could not only benefit them exercise wise but better for them socially so we our, our our target market was people who were from 18 years old to 35 uh married or single uh and our economy was good so uh in dayton ohio where, where we put this facility there was a the car industry was doing well people were making money uh they could come and uh, join our club and they could pay a membership fee and then they could come in and to rent our our courts and they did that so and they did that on an accelerated fashion so our our business model worked in spite of us and that model we replicated 14 times so we replicated as in partnerships with with uh, people who wanted to co-own these facilities and then when we were limited on uh, real estate financing we began franchising the concept and did around 10 of them wow Talk a little bit about the difference between, you know, sort of that traditional model and franchising. And how did you figure out that that was going to be the model you go after, that 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 was the value? Well, when we had the first one, we we realized that we had to market to to the, uh, the SMSA around Dayton, Ohio. And to market back then, you didn't have the Internet. So what we put together was what we thought would, would work well. And uh, that was a, a, a internal, internal newspaper. We created our own media that we could distribute to our members. And the, the cost of doing that was not efficient for one facility. So we felt that if we could spread our costs ac across multiple units, then we would be able to increase profits and increase the, uh, the uh, capacity of our business. Uh, it was kind of a natural flow. It wasn't taking franchising and say, hey, we're going to create a franchise. Although back then, uh, franchising was just getting started. Uh, you know, food franchises that you would recognize like uh, Wendy's or McDonald's or, or uh, Red Lobster and these sort of food franchises uh, were beginning to grow. And, and you know, Ohio was one of the test markets for these. So I was exposed to that model and looked at that and said, well, I think that that model can apply to, to fitness and recreation. Yeah. Well, that's good. So let's talk about your current business. You are now the founder, managing director of Veteran Business Services. Mm -hmm. Talk talk about that company. I mean, we like I said, you, we've been on you've been on the show before, but for our listeners that don't understand, give us a high level view of of what Veteran Business Services is. Well. 
because of my varied business experiences in real estate and evaluating businesses and starting franchises, uh, when I got into uh, uh, the kind of latter years of my career, I had done affordable housing. I had done uh, uh, franchising. I had done the real estate finance side. I had raised equity for various kinds of businesses in limited partnerships and securities work. And uh, I sort of was a one-man entrepreneur. I never really realized what I was doing was being an incubator. I was incubating these businesses, and they were relying on me to be a front-end uh, uh, force, if you would, or a, a front-end resource that, that allowed them to put together the parts they needed to start their businesses. At first, I wanted to be starting business, which I could be a part of. And then I realized over time that my, my value added really was putting teams together that could operate the particular business or putting financing together that was necessary as a front end to get the business started. So I was involved in the front end of the business, helping entrepreneurs, which could be nonprofit or profit, uh, start businesses. And later in life, I came back to my veteran roots. And what I found was I started helping veterans and and uh, realized that it was kind of the love of my life because I had been doing it. I decided I would start helping veterans. So the business I put together really is involved in uh, the, the components of of my whole career. That is, I have a franchise. I have a franchising component on my my website. The idea there is I'll help somebody figure out how to start or acquire a franchise. I have a consulting aspect of it help somebody start or get financing for the business or get front-end mentoring or, or consulting advice on how to start a business. And then finally, because of a government program called uh, Voc Rehab Self-Employment, I use my skill sets to help other veterans use a program that's still available at the VA called Self-Employment under their Voc Rehab program. So I used all these skill sets and really didn't uh, you know, have just applied them to this day and right now I've, I've uh, kind of kind of uh, scaled them back a little bit because of COVID, but, uh, but I'm still, still doing uh, consulting over the phone or over Zoom or whatever I can do to help a veteran develop a strategy so they can use the self-employment project uh, program. Yeah, it's great. Uh, we've been, we're going to take a quick break. We've been talking to James Mingy from Veteran Business Services. We're going to take a quick break. We'll be right back. This hour of the Startup Radio Network is supported by Bridges to Change. Bridges to Change's mission is to strengthen individuals and families affected by addictions, mental health, poverty, and homelessness. They use their voice and resources to stand up to all forms of discrimination, mass incarceration, barriers to health care, and inequitable economic opportunities. Bridges to Change's goal is to empower people to be self-sufficient and become members of the community, who in turn offer the same opportunities to help others. They strive to have everyone leaving their organization with stable housing, social support, sustainable employment, education, access to health care, family engagement, and goals for the future. To get involved, donate, or to get help, make sure to visit www.bridgestochange.com. And we're back. Welcome back to the Veteran Founder Podcast on the Startup Radio Network. If you're just joining us, we're talking to James Mingy from Veteran Business Services here in beautiful Oregon. Uh, James, you, you and I, like I said, we, we know each other. We've, we've 
talked a, a bunch. There's one thing that you didn't touch on in, in this last segment where you talked about veteran business services and the consulting and helping entrepreneurs. And that's the, the, uh, the school aspect. Like you work a lot with the local community college. How important has that been as a connector for entrepreneurs? Well, I say it's probably, you would think it's a, a connector for them to go through this program I described. But ironically, I found out it's more a connector for me to connect back to young veterans who want to use community college or, frankly, any other kind of college or university to develop a strategy for themselves if they think that their long-term objective is getting into business. Uh, I'm fortunate here, I live in Oregon City, and I'm fortunate to be involved with Documents uh, Community College as a terrific veteran program. So what I do there is I get involved with their, uh, their uh, coordinator of the program, and, and we'll talk to people about the availability of, of self-employment. I'll come out to the college and be happy to talk to any veteran at any time about how they can develop a strategy to use the program even while they're going to school. Because, you know, what I've, I found, and I think a lot of people know, is that you you need a lot of different disciplines and educational uh, resources in order to shore yourself up for an entrepreneurial journey. They don't, they're not always... Uh, in logical order with a, uh, a particular curriculum at a college, or they might be specialized training you need for whether it's uh, technical stuff or it's, uh, for instance, I just helped a veteran who was interested in getting into financing and the, the courses simply weren't offered at a university. So we had to do some research to find out who could provide something concentrated that will, will allow that veteran to accelerate their knowledge into a into, in this case, a financial financial uh, business. But even though they were doing the financial business, they still wanted to get general education and go through their, their, go through their uh, uh, regular education at the community college. So I, I encourage that and, and, and advise them that they can do things at once. A lot of times when you go into these programs in the government, people think of it in a linear fashion. So... Uh, they don't think, hey, well, I could I could be developing my business plan while I'm taking courses, while I'm evaluating special education, and it's just an it's enlightening to them that they can do that, uh, and it's a creative process. So the counselors who have the final say over what you're going to do if you go through book rehab, they're not necessarily skilled in those areas. So helping someone about what their options are, uh, think about how they can develop their own strategy, uh, ends up being very valuable. I get calls all the time uh, about, you know, veterans that are seeking to use the program, but a lot of times people think of, of veteran benefits as, as their, you know, an entitlement. And this isn't an entitlement. This is, you have to, you know, like any business, whether you're, you're doing it through the VA or not, you need to have a strategy and you need to put together what, what your most important needs are whether they're money, marketing, education, partners, et cetera. So I teach them how to, you know, do a little bit of the strategizing for that so that they can sell themselves to the VA. Nice. You also help uh, with a program called Boots to Business. Explain that a little bit, because obviously we have a very veteran-friendly community and they're, they're probably, they've probably heard of this program, but probably don't know much about it. Well, Boots to Business is a uh, uh, 
program of the federal government. It is managed and and uh, and, and taught in some cases by, by the SBA and their their uh, various components, which are small business development centers. They have a mentoring organization called SCORE, uh, and they also work with uh, local mentoring organizations like uh, uh, Patriot Boot Camp or uh, there's a thing called uh, uh, Bunker Bunker Labs, which also provides mentoring. And these resources are made available through the Boost of Business. Boost of Business, the brand of Boost of Business, uh, was created by SBA. But it's a program available when you transition out of the service. Anybody transitioning goes goes through a process called transitional uh, TAPRA program, transitional assistance program, and that's available at all military bases that that are exiting soldiers into the into the regular uh, uh, world of uh, commerce or regu- regular civilian life. Um, so when you come out, they give you an option, and that option exposes you to some of these resources I just mentioned. I'm aware of it because they've had me come in and speak to speak to veterans who are interested in entrepreneurship, let them know what the resources are, how they can develop a plan. And from there, uh, they, they have to, as an entrepreneur, they take it on themselves. But that particular resource is available at any transition assistance point of which there's, I don't know, 20 or 30 of around the country at various military bases. Uh, the, uh, the, the Army or, or the, the, the services require uh, you to have a plan when you come out of the service. And one of the options is entrepreneurism. Yeah. And ta- can you talk about outcomes? Like what, what have been some of the outcomes that come out of that program? Well, they're, they're hard to uh, identify because they're, they're very, they're, they're very, they're very uh, uh, kind of simplistic overview of, of the business, the business ecosystem. So, uh, you're not really tracking them. But I would say just from anecdotal evidence that people will come out and they will they'll, they'll notice, for instance, this, uh, there's a program called the uh, the Entrepreneurial Bootcamp for Veterans with Disabilities that's offered at 10 major universities around the country. And that's a free program. And if they have a disability, they can go go apply and get uh, online mentoring for a year. Uh, they can get a, a 10-day physical boot camp where serious uh, uh, mentors from various professionals, attorneys, accountants, uh, prior entrepreneurs will come in and help them build their business plan. So they might select that as their first stop. And it's a good stop because it gives them a, a, a it takes them up to the next level of what's it take to develop a plan, what sort of relationships uh, do I have, do I need to go back and you know if if my if my entrepreneurial element is very high level I might want to go get a, a degree in entrepreneurism at, a, at one of the better entrepreneurial schools, so that can give them some exposure there. Uh, it also lets them know that you know there are other mentor things available where they can go and explore on a, a general level or develop a relationship there where they can help them build their own business. So it's, it's, it's a, it's a way how they can uh, jump into the business world without taking the risk. It allows them to mitigate risk on the front end. Uh, as far as the outcomes of it, uh, I think it's probably the, uh, the normal statistics you have for any small business, you know, 
one in five is lucky to be in business at the end of five years. That's probably the same case with veterans. Yeah. What do you think in this, what do you think makes this program impactful and what do you think needs to be improved? And, and if you don't want to editorialize is fine. I, I know you have a lot of uh, vested interest in this program, but I want to understand the good and the bad of every program. And, and one of that is, and, and part of that is understanding how this program can be better. Well, that program, and I'll call, I'll look, I'll make my comments on all of those programs collectively, how that can be made better. If you're getting out of the service and you have some dreams or, or uh, you have some aspirations to be in business, you need to tell your story to somebody. And you, you don't want to look at it as though one or another of these programs is going to provide any magical solution for you. Unfortunately, a lot of the times they're, they're promoted like that. So what I do and I'd like, like other organizations to do is simply listen. If a veteran gets on the phone with me, I want to know what their, their situation in life is. I want to know what their capabilities or lack of capabilities are. I want to be able to be on the other end of the phone and let them tell me rather than tell them, here's the, here's the solution I have for you. That solution has to be made up with, by them, either on the front end or over time, if they have needs they need to. In my particular case, I work with a lot of people with disabilities. So those people may have physical, mental, uh, other specialized personal issues that they have to, have to address before they even put a business plan together. On the other hand, you know, the process of going through and putting a business plan together a lot of times requires a team. And if you have certain attributes like uh, uh, a PTSD or something like that, that uh, would require you to have partners, that's what you want to evaluate up front and come to a, come to a uh, decision for yourself that, hey, I, I need this sort of help. Being able to tell your story and then have somebody comment after the fact. So, so I would say, uh, in a generic sense, these organizations have to personalize an individual and listen and have a process where someone allows them to do that up front. Now, in my particular case, I've learned that and continue to learn that because that's what's really necessary in the voc rehab program. Unfortunately, if, if a person doesn't understand the entrepreneurial world and you go in and you have 20 minutes to, to tell your story, of, which is, is not about you know, what you need. It's about selling your business idea or you think it's selling your business idea. And most of the time it's developing a relationship with that particular person is it's having a strategy ahead of time. So talking with someone like me that understands the process and can say to you, let me help you develop a strategy for going after the resources that you think you need. I can describe some of them to you. Uh, I can help you prioritize some of them through your own, but you have to be the one that makes the decision like any other entrepreneur. So these organizations need to be able to do that same thing. They need to help evaluate, uh, you know, this, this world has always been a, you know, the swashbuckling entrepreneur is wins, but in today's world, teams win or, you know, being humble wins. So I would say, uh, Personal attention is, is the biggest thing they need to learn and uh, have, have a little bit more of that on the front end and not, not necessarily say, here's the, here's the linear progression you're going to have to take with our program in order to be successful. What you, you've seen a lot of these veteran entrepreneurs and you've, you've mentored a lot of them. 
besides the things that you just list out, what do you think is their biggest struggle? Why, why do you think veteran entrepreneurs can't get over the hurdle as fast as, say, non-veteran entrepreneurs? Uh, what, what do you think is the difference? Well, I don't agree with that. I don't agree that they can't get over it. I believe an entrepreneur is an entrepreneur first. Then they're a veteran entrepreneur under that. So they have to understand that they're they're uh, subject to the rules of any entrepreneur in the marketplace. Sure. Now, uh, if, if they're, if, I'll pick one of these resources for instance. If, say say they're developing a uh, a landscaping business, for instance. Uh, relationship there to develop might be someone in their local church who has relationships that can help them develop business over time. It might seem like a simple thing, but the first thing in business, as I said, my own mentor told me to go sell because if you don't have landscaping contracts, you're not going to be successful. Mm-hmm. But that that so that person is not just a person you're going to for a solution. You're going to them for actual actual being kind of your informal board of directors. Uh, and, and these businesses, I was on the phone with a the uh, high tech. Uh, entrepreneur veteran who was older and was looking for someone to understand his, he was developing a security method. He was doing it. He was hardwiring it into a chip and getting that data across to people in the VA was very difficult. And I said, well, that's not your goal here. Your goal is to get them to support you first and your idea second. So in, in their particular case, uh, they had the ability to develop a relationship. Uh, they, they had a certain list of specialized training they needed to get to make their, their journey of developing a team and selling their particular product uh, go a little quicker or, or be able, you know, mitigate the risk somewhat. And they needed to convince the, uh, the, the VA in this case that specialized training they needed was going to let them be an entrepreneur. It wasn't going to make them successful that that particular business, although that was an ultimate an ultimate goal. Her first goal was to convince somebody that they were an entrepreneur, and that a lot of times is not the realization that the entrepreneur has. The entrepreneur thinks, "Hey, I have to sell my idea. I've got to do my elevator speech," and that's not always the first thing. So the reason I bring that up is, you know, I, I've run veteran programs in the past. And I feel like the the thing that that separates a veteran entrepreneur versus just a regular civilian entrepreneur, regard you, you can make the argument they're all entrepreneurs. But I think what what is the differentiating factor, especially those that are transitioning out, is they don't have the same network, right? And so when they get out, they they may not have the same network. They may not have the same access to resources. They certainly have access to different resources, uh, but they don't have the same access to to generally people. Their network's not as large outside maybe the DOD family. Uh, and, and in some regards, they could play that up as a benefit because they could sort of play ignorance and, and reach out to whomever they want, right? But it certainly is uh, something that differentiates them in, in one way. I think to, to flip that over on the other side, the thing that makes them better is everything you've already outlined, which they are more pragmatic, they're more thoughtful. They're more resourceful. They know how to pivot quickly. They don't take criticism to heart. Those are all things that make veterans amazing founders. In your experience, 
what do you think um, has been the best resource overall for founders, for veteran founders? Like, what, can you point to maybe one resource that you think is a better resource for veteran entrepreneurs than, than another one? Um, my own personal preference for resources that are veteran oriented is the Patriot Bootcamp. Uh, I think their evolution is one that came out of mentoring. And some of it is a little higher end of high tech, but from the standpoint of developing relationships, it's a place to go where you can explore who you are. And if you have a, uh, uh, a, uh, next Microsoft idea, uh, they can help you. They're connected with, with serious, uh, entrepreneurial resources in, in the incubator world, in the financing world. And I think it's, I bring them up because when I went to, I go to all these resources to check them out myself. So in their particular case, I went to a couple of their, their weekend uh, uh, boot camps and found them to be really sincere about about uh, mentoring. The, uh, the characteristics that you just went through of the veteran are true. They have certain advantages over the general public because of their, their discipline and their, their own evolution, but they still need to get re relationships and someplace like the Patriot Boot Camp would work well, mm. as opposed to like uh, this, the SCORE mentoring network. The way they're set up is you go on and you're assigned one mentor. Well, that's great. And it's a, it's a great goal to have that person share their, their experiences, strength and hope to help you with your individual business. But their own personal experience level may not be that, have that much depth. So I think that you know the uh, score versus the Patriot Bootcamp uh, gives you that depth. The Patriot Bootcamp gives you more depth than score. That would be that would be my preference there. Uh, yeah, and that's for an ongoing relationship, which I think is very important. Definitely, definitely. So let's talk about COVID, right? We talked about it at the top of the show, but how has COVID impacted your business personally uh, you know, during this time? Well. Like anybody, uh, you have to follow the rules of COVID. That is, you know, distancing and wearing masks. And in the case of my business, uh, the VA literally shut down Voc Rehab. You can't go to Voc Rehab with a normal program. You have to do it. You have to get interviewed online. And to some extent, that uh, allows me to uh, do develop a strategy in a different way. And by that, I mean, you're, you can, ex in my case, I can accelerate strategy for the veteran because the online interview is, is a lot shorter than the one they, use, they used to use in, in the regional offices. Uh, and that in itself allows you to boil down certain, you know, simpler strategic points that you can get across in a short period. And I think that you know, the, the lack of intimacy actually can help in business certain ways. It can let you get to the bottom line of, will you support me or not in my endeavor to be an entrepreneur? After that, after that, yeah, COVID allows you to go do the work yourself and say, listen, I'll, uh, I'll, I'll do the work. I don't have to have multiple meetings with you to go have you do the research. I'll help you do it and I'll do it myself for you. You can decide whether you think it's valid or not, but let me get in, let me get in charge, and as an entrepreneur, and I think that COVID has made it easier for veterans to take that approach. 
Yeah, definitely. And what is when? What do you think the future of your business is? Do you think you're going to be able to weather the storm, or or what do you think? Uh, what do you hope will happen once we get through this uh, current crisis? Well, I'm not. You know, I'm I'm uh, I'm not making an assumption we're going to be through this crisis in the uh, near to medium term. I think it's going to be a whole different ball game. As far as doing what I do is kind of a specialized consulting. So for me, I have to get better at using technical meetings, uh, Zoom, et cetera. Uh, I have to uh, come up with ways how I can support the people who make the decisions for the veterans I help. So I've been thinking about ways to systematize or develop a process that can help, help the, uh, the counselor who's really making the decision for my client rather than just helping the veterans themselves, going after the people that have to develop new methods for themselves and trying to help them do that. So I've gotten some good response from, from senior people at uh, VRE where they realize that I deal in specialized situations like where I'm dealing with a combat veteran or someone who has unique uh, disability things, and they'll now refer me people. And I think my particular business eventually will be just a referral business. Interesting. What do you think, uh, when you're talking to entrepreneurs, what's the best advice you're giving them? The best advice I'm giving them is the objective of your first meeting with your counselor is to have a second meeting. And the way you do that is you develop relationships where they want to be your champion. If they don't want to be your champion, you're never going to get to the, the positive decision that you need for your support. Yeah. Makes a lot of sense. Uh, so, James, we've we talked a lot. Of, we covered a lot of ground. What haven't we covered so far that you want to talk about? Well, guess what I found, actually, since we just had a conversation. Yeah. Is that the, uh, the thing people need to get good at is telling their own story. I was always, you know, I, I've done a lot of things in my career, and I've been very solution-oriented. Where if you're a veteran and you call me up and you tell me uh, what you want to do, I want to give you three or four different bullet points and say, here, go do these things and you'll have a decent shot at it. As opposed to now, as I get a little bit more patient and a little bit more have understanding of how to make things successful, I want that veteran to tell me their story. Not just their story as being a veteran, how they got to be a veteran, just like you did in this story here. You're asking me to, you know, what's my history? You know, why why am I moving towards becoming an entrepreneur? Uh, uh, what do I think my uh, pluses and minuses are? Taking some time to listen to that story. Because that, that veteran themselves, they have to be able to tell that story to many different people. They need to be able to share it. They need to be able to uh, launch their idea. And it's about self-knowledge. And it's about, you know, repetitive, uh, confident telling of that story. So uh, it comes back to what I said before about, you know, trying to trying to just trying to, to listen more, trying try to listen more to that veteran so that I, that I can help him as best I can. Listen, listening is a is a really an art form. And I hope to just continue to do better at that. It's amazing. James, I, I so enjoy our talks and, and uh, I'm saddened that we can't connect with in person. I always like going to, you know, grab coffee with you and chat. 
Um, I hope you're doing really well. It sounds like you're doing well. Um, where can people find you online? They can find me online at uh, www.veteransbusinessservices. That's veterans with an S, services with an S, or, or veterans business services. Let me do it again. <laughs> they can find me online at www.veteransbusinessservices, all one word, .us. Or they can actually call me uh, at 202-631-4333. Great. James, uh, thanks so much for coming on the show. Really appreciate it. Uh, reach out and let's just grab a cup of coffee when we can. Maybe we'll do a social distance one. Love to do that. Great. You've been listening to the Veteran Founder Podcast to, on the Startup Radio Network. Tune, on, tune in every Friday at 1 p.m. Pacific. Listen, learn, get shit done. We'll see you guys next Friday. Thanks. You're listening to the Startup Radio Network. Listen, learn, launch. 10% of our gross revenue goes directly to women entrepreneurs in developing countries around the world through Kiva's microfinance program.